It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show at our new time slot. Yes, you can start listening to the show at this new time slot. And we're just thankful that you're still here with us here. We've been doing this for, what is this, going on three years now, I believe? No, going on four years, four years now. And you guys have been right there with us. And we thank you so very much for joining us. You know, I'm I'm getting into it. I, I'm finally realizing that we are in a new year. How many of you out there are still adjusting to that it's a new year? I know I'm like two weeks late, but it is a new year. And I better jump into it because uh better start now, I think, and tell you who our guests are for this show. No better time than right now here. It is 2023. I need to get over it. Our guest today, we have a total of, what do we got? Four no, we've got three, three, three guests. Okay, our first guest, he's a regular, Chris Woolsey, uh, will be chatting with us about some of the cool new films and television shows that we can enjoy on Crackle and Redbox. And he is the uh, Director of Communications for Crackle Redbox there, and uh, he's a regular on our show now. We will also later on be talking to New York Times bestselling author Brad Meltzer, and he will be chatting with us about his brand new book, The Nazi Conspiracy. And of course, we know Brad from hosting two very popular shows on the History Channel. So we'll be talking with him about this book just came out a few days ago. Again, it's titled the Nazi conspiracy that is based on a true story, true events from World War II. And finally, we have a filmmaker who will be chatting with us all the way from London. Her name is Sally Potter, and she will be chatting about her latest film that stars Oscar winner Javier Bardem, yes, him, and Emmy and Grammy award-winning Chris Rock, that guy. So, you know what? We do not have time to waste. I've got to snap out of it, snap into it. It's 2023. So without any more delays, let's jump into today's show. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Chris. We'll see from what's happening at Crackle and what's happening at Redbox. We'll be right back. Okay, everybody, it's that time of show again. It's grown to be one of my favorite segments, and that is with our friend. Oh, you know him. He's going to start getting fan mail pretty soon. He's getting real popular around here. Of course, we're talking about Chris Woolsey. He's the Senior Director of Communications for Crackle Plus, and he's going to tell us what's popping at Crackle. Chris, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. I thought I thought the gift giving season was over, but hearing your wonderful voice, it's like Christmas morning all over again, Janice. And see, Chris, being so complimentary like that, that's going to get you an extra 
Oh, I'll send you some donuts. How about that? <laughs> That'll do. I love me a good donut. Okay, so let's talk about what's popping at Crackle. Oh, my goodness. We have so much great stuff uh, this month in January. Some of my favorites. So um, what we talked about last time, uh, one of the things that sets Crackle apart is that we often have uh, exclusive and original content that you can only see on Crackle. And uh, this month, we've got a really cool uh, sci-fi original series. Uh, that originally ran on the Sci-Fi Channel, and now Crackle has it, and I believe we're the only platform out there with this series at the moment. Um, and it is going to bring a little, a little added chill to your winter season. And this is called Ghost Wars, and this wow. is a horror slash fantasy series. It's from the producers of Fargo and Hell on Wheels. It is really, really cool. So this is a series, Janice, about this little tiny town in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. And for some reason, the townspeople are being besieged by these supernatural encounters. Uh, and it, it's a star-studded cast. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio uh, from Men in Black uh, plays the, the crazy town preacher. Uh, Kim Coates from Sons of Anarchy is one of the main characters. Uh, this this uh, guy, Avin Jogia, uh, plays Roman Mercer, who's the main character in this series. It, it even has Meatloaf, who we no. sadly, sadly lost recently. Um, I was just watching him in Fight Club this week. Uh, um, such an amazing actor. He was an amazing musician, and we often forget how talented he was yes. as an actor as well. But um, this this young there's a young guy in town whose dad is this uh, world famous psychic, and for whatever reason, this kid has sort of inherited some of his dad's genes, and he's the only person in town who can actually see these ghosts that are attacking the townspeople. And so he has to kind of gather this uh, band of people together to help him fight uh, these ghosts that are uh, that are trying to take over the town. Well, you know, I am on the website, Crackle.com, right now, and I'm looking at this trailer ghost wars an alaskan town is about to find out what evil really is and just looking at this yeah it's not cool <laughs> that trailer is terrifying isn't it it is very terrifying and i don't even have the sound up but just looking at it so if if people are into i mean this is a really interesting way to start the new year off with ghost wars how do you have a war with the ghost well i guess this film is going to show us <laughs> that's right you're gonna you're gonna find out and then you'll be ready Oh, yeah, yeah. Just you never know when a ghost is going to invade your home and you want to be right. prepared. You really do. That's sure. And this is I just God, I hope it never happens to me. But uh, in addition to scaring the sneakers off of us and our nail polish off our toes, tell me about one of my favorite movie genres is, is spy thrillers. And, you know, I'm a huge James Bond girl and all that kind of great stuff. The Cloak and Dagger, uh, the spy thrillers on Crackle, are those still running? Or the TV shows and the films? Or tell us about that. Oh yeah, we we have all kinds of great. Uh, I'm I'm like you. I'm a huge fan of thrillers. I love James Bond films. I love uh, spy films. Anything with espionage, 
I'm all about it. And, and Crackle has a ton. I mean, as, as we've talked about before, there are a, a ton of different genres uh, in on Crackle, but uh, we definitely have um, spy thrillers. Um, trying to think what would probably, well, we've got a classic, uh, the spy in black, uh, which was a, uh, a classic uh, movie from the thirties, but uh, a little more recent, uh, not quite a spy film, but we do have uh, kind of a, a close, similar genre, um, the caper film. Um, okay. And so we've got this great movie that I'm super, probably the, the movie on the platform I'm the most excited about right now is called Naked Singularity. And that's starring John Boyega. And this was produced by Ridley Scott, who you know ah. produced half the films worth watching over the last 30 years, yes. The Martian, Blade Runner, Gladiator, you name it. Um, and it's starring John Boyega, who was the, you know, the reformed stormtrooper from the last couple of uh, Star Wars films. And I, I, I so he's so ingrained as that storm, you know, stormtrooper rebel character that I often see him in other movies and go, why does this guy look so familiar? Um, and I forget that he's an actor who's in other projects other than Star Wars. And he is so good in this film. He plays this um, beleaguered uh, public defender who um, he really wants to help people. He really wants to do well. And the system is just grinding him into powder. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he gets the opportunity to help a ton of people. Uh, but in order to do it, he's got to go to the other side of the system and he's got to break bad in order to make this happen. So uh, it's it's really good. It's a great caper film, tons of twists and turns. And it's just a, a really fun popcorn flick. You know, I also see where uh, I remember my grandmother used to watch that. T you have the television show, The, the Saint. I yes. goodness, it's like man, I remember being six, I guess, or whatever, and I remember the saint. And so you guys have that on crackle. So it's the whole, all the seasons. Is that it? We have seasons one and two on crackle currently, and then uh -huh. uh, I, I can't remember how many seasons are in that, but uh, we'll. I'm sure we'll be rotating more. But yeah, Simon Templer. Yes. Uh, um. Yeah, he is. This is really like classic black and white TV. And this is one of those series that I think a lot of people forget. Uh, Val Kilmer did do a kind of a reboot of it in the early 2000s. That's, yes. that's actually really good. Um, but this was a phenomenal TV series. I mean, in terms of classic TV, this is probably one of the top uh, 20 series of all time. I mean, it's a, it's great. It really was. The, the, I'm just a big fan of black and white films and television shows and photographs. And, okay, remember, well, again, this was in the same age, but I remember the original Mission Impossible TV show. Cause oh, the, my god! The best theme it's song amazing. of all. I mean, this one obviously uh, starred Roger Moore, uh, mm -hmm. which is probably why you mentioned uh, Spy and, and James yes. Bond. But, yeah, the Mission Impossible... Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I mean, those were in reruns when I was little, but, um, I remember just going, you know, this, this is TV. Yes. Like, I mean, it was, it was so good. 
And they um, had the yeah, coolest was... theme song of all oh. time. <laughs> yeah. And Peter Graves. I mean, you can't. Yes. Be... I mean, I, there were so many great guys on that show. Peter Graves and Barbara Bain, Greg yeah. Morris. Uh, yeah. Uh, gosh, Martin Landau. Mark Landau. Yeah. yeah yes. Absolutely. Yes. I think they were married, weren't they? He and Barbara. Yeah. I think so. Yep. Just really, really cool TV. Such a good show. Such but yeah, cool stuff. You know, Crackle has a ton of classic TV. So uh, if you're if your fans uh, are looking for classic TV, then uh, look no further than than Crackle because we've got a ton of it. Charlie's Angels. Yes. Uh, month we um, have. I think the first. I want to say the first two seasons let me see here yeah the first two seasons of charlie's angels and i know we have plans to have more come on starsky and hutch oh Um, cool yes yes you know another show that uh, well it's not classic classic but this is when i first became a big pamela anderson fan or her tv show vip yep i just had a meeting about vip this morning what a what a fun show that was was. so much fun molly yeah i i actually get what when I first moved to L.A., I uh, wrote a letter to Savage Steve Holland, who was who directed Better Off Dead and a bunch of great movies. Uh-huh. And he was kind enough to invite me to the set of VIP where he was directing some episodes. Oh. And it was just a blast. And that that show is I mean, it's sort of a, a modern version of Charlie's Angels. Um, and it's just over the top, ridiculous um, Pamela Anderson runs this protection agency and really knows nothing about anything. She just sort of talked her way into it. And, um, yeah, it's really, really fun stuff. It was, I used to like the way the, the, the ladies dressed and, uh, that's when I first became a really big Pam Anderson fan. Molly Culver also co-starred in Natalie Rotano and, um, yep. uh, you guys have it. And so, for people who don't want to go all the way back in time, they can just go kind of all their way back. And what was that out in the 90s? Right. I think it was what, late 90s? I think uh, VIP. It was, it was 98. 98. 98, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yep. Well, it's fun. So you guys, Crackle has a variety from, it's going to scare your, no, no, toenail polish off with uh, Ghost Wars, or you can go Secret Agent, or you can go Pam Anderson, and then Cloak and Dagger, and all of the above. So you guys have it going on at Crackle, as we all know. So again... And then I don't remember, Janice, if we talked about it or not, but the speaking of sort of the spy genre, we, we have Sherlock. Did we talk about this? That we have the no. exclusive for the entire run of the Sherlock series from BBC um, starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman's one uh, gosh, has been nominated for just about every Emmy possible already has uh, nine Emmy wins. And um, you can watch seasons one through four uh, plus the bonus episode, uh, which also won an Emmy um, on crackle. And we're, unless you buy the physical discs, we're the only place that you can actually watch Sherlock at the moment. And it's free. See. And it's free. That's the great thing about Crackle. Watch all you want because it'll never cost you a dime. It is totally free. I know people are all shopped out for the holidays. And so now you can just kind of rejuvenate, watch some free movies, free TV shows, courtesy of Crackle.com. And also, I have friends because they didn't know that Crackle is also um, 
a part of, you know, had all the television shows like we've been talking about. They thought you guys just had movies. So I just want to reemphasize, reiterate television shows as well as films. Absolutely. You know, we have as as many TV shows as we do films. We try and keep a pretty good balance and uh, everything from, like we said, black and white, uh, you know, all the way back to Little Rascals, all the way to, you know, modern classics like Sherlock. So we've got the whole spectrum. Not the Little Rascals. Oh, goodness. We do. I am not joking. Yeah, we recently acquired the entire library. I have not seen a Little Rascals uh, show in years. I may, I just may have to go and look at some of them just for laughs. It's such uh-huh. a no fun. Well, Chris, as always, thank you so much for keeping us informed on what's popping at Crackle. And uh, we will look forward to chatting with you again uh, next Saturday. Janice, I can't wait. Okay, thank you. This is Drew and Jonathan Scott, The Property Brothers, and you are listening to Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone. Okay, we are back with more of Film Festival Radio Show. It's always so much fun chatting with Chris each week here. And uh, so now it's time for me to bring our first guest on board here. Well, our first guest has been on the New York Times bestseller list several times over. He is an award-winning, best-selling author uh, of the book, The Escape Artist, The Inner Circle, and several other additional thriller books. Plus, he is also the host of the History Channel's TV shows, Brad Meltzer's Decoded and Brad Meltzer's Lost History. And who are we speaking of? Of course, the one and only Brad Meltzer. Now, he has a brand new book that just came out, I mean, just like a few days ago. The book is entitled uh, The Nazi Conspiracy, and it is based on a true story and actual true events that took place during World War II. I cannot wait to get more into this book with Brad. It is a fascinating story. Oh my God, it involves uh, political intrigue and body doubles and these, 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 these daring rescues. I mean, it's just, yeah, all of the good elements that make a really good book. And the really cool thing about it is that this is all fact. It actually happened. So let's bring Brad Meltzer on. He, I understand he's waiting on hold here. So let's bring him on right now to tell us about his latest brand new book, The Nazi Conspiracy. Let me bring him off hold and let's start talking. Janice. Yes, this is Janice. Hey, Janice. How's it going? We have Brad Meltzer coming up for you right now. Yes, I am ready. Perfect. Stand by. Give us about 30 
Janet? Yes, I am here. Hello. Hey, Janice, it's Brad. Oh, there you are. Well, good afternoon, Brad. Such an honor to chat with you this afternoon. And I want to just, of course, tell our listeners you are number one best-selling uh, New York Times bestselling author several times over, in addition to being uh, a very popular host on the History Channel television network. So now you are back starting the new year off with a brand new book that I'm sure is going to also hit the New York Times bestseller list. Tell us about your latest book, The Nazi Conspiracy. It sounds like a James Bond movie, except it's, it's true and it's factual. So tell us about it. No, that's exactly right. This is a true story that really happened in World War II. It's the secret plot to kill FDR, Stalin, and Churchill at the height of World War II. And what's happening is in 1943, the big three, the Allied powers, the United States, United Kingdom, and the Soviet Union are meeting for the very first time together. FDR, Stalin, and Churchill are coming together to discuss Normandy, to discuss the invasion of Normandy, to get on the same page. And this Millions of lives are truly at stake, and this is the moment where they're going to meet together for the first time. And Joseph Stalin comes to Tehran, Iran. He says that's where the meeting has to be, and so FDR flies in. Everyone wants to see FDR, right? It's the president of the United States in his motorcade, and everyone's waving at the motorcade. But what they don't know is that's not FDR in the motorcade. It's actually a, a decoy. The real FDR is across town, ducked down in the back of a beat-up sedan, racing through the side streets because they're worried that the Nazis are going to murder him. And I just ruined chapter one of the Nazi conspiracy, but that's how the book opens. Oh, but it's a good ruin. I love this. I love this. A anything that has involves body doubles, that just intrigues. It's so intriguing. So how, this was, again, this was supposedly supposed to be a secret meeting. How, how, who leaked the meeting? How did the Nazis find out about it? Or do we have to get the book to find out? No, I'm going to tell you exactly how. What happens is we don't know the exact date, but here's what we do know is back then the Nazis used to keep their top secret information on what they called brown sheets that were literally had that name because they were dark brown pieces of paper that they were printed on and they would lock them up in special zippered cases. They would make sure that after you read it, you destroyed it after, you know, by a month it had to be destroyed. It was like the Mission Impossible briefcase, but for Nazis. But Joseph Goebbels, one of the head Nazis, used to keep very, very detailed diaries. And in those diaries, he used to write what he read in those brown sheets, which was complete intelligence fiasco, but it let us read what he knew. And what we figured out is that the Nazis, we all know the Enigma machine where we cracked the Nazi codes and figured out what they were doing. What was chilling to me is they cracked our codes. They actually had the international cables and were reading what FDR was sending the Winston Churchill at the height of the war. And once the Nazis had that, then they had a man on the ground and an attack force on the ground, paratroopers that had come into the city. And then when the big three come to town, they have the best thing of all in a fight. They have an opportunity. And this was going to be a triple assassination to take out the big three. Oh, my goodness, how scary. Give us a, a summary of how this meeting of the big three, how it changed the course of World War II. Yeah, this is the moment where, of course, they're meeting together for the first time. And we tell the story that, you know, we were going to, it almost feels like we punched the Nazis in the jaw, we saved the day, and it seemed like winning the war was a foregone conclusion, but it wasn't. 
because the big three weren't on the same page. Joseph Stalin wanted us to invade continental Europe. He was getting slaughtered by the Nazis. And we were sending weapons to him, but, but he said, no, no, you've got to fight with me. You've got to invade from the east. Normandy has to happen. Winston Churchill was worried it wasn't going to work. He's holding back a little bit. FDR, you know, we've done a book about the secret plot to kill George Washington and one about the very first plot to kill Abraham Lincoln at the start of his presidency. And the one thing I've learned about who makes the best president, it's not the person who gives the best speeches. It's not the person who gives the best promises that you love. It's the person that when a disaster strikes is able to adapt and deal with that disaster. That's why George Washington and Abraham Lincoln are the best presidents. And in World War II, FDR believes in his ability to charm Joseph Stalin and deal with him and bring him to the table and charm Winston Churchill and bring him to the table so Normandy can happen. And you know what? He's absolutely right. And if the triple assassination took place, all of history potentially changes when it comes to World War II. So this is that key moment where you, you know, to think about what could have happened is incredible to me. Well, you have done an excellent and outstanding job with, as I mentioned earlier, your previous books have all been uh, New York Times bestsellers here. Uh, again, we're talking about your latest book, The Nazi Conspiracy. Uh, as I also mentioned earlier, you are a very popular host on the History Channel with Brad Meltzer's uh, Decoded and Brad Meltzer's Lost History. What are the odds or chances of the Nazi conspiracy possibly becoming a television series? Well, listen, these books are me doing our show, but in book form. In fact, one of my favorite stories in there is uh, there's a a, a Nazi named Otto Skorzeny. And Otto Skorzeny is summoned to Hitler's private headquarters called the Wolfslayer. And when he gets there, he sees that there are all these other special operations fighters there. Adolf Hitler lines them all up shoulder to shoulder. He wants to find who the best one is. And he asks them one question. He says, what do you think of Italy? And they all say, oh, we love Italy. They're on our side. They're fighting with us. But Otto Skorzeny, this one Nazi, shouts above everybody else and says, I am from Austria, my Fuhrer, because it's a gamble by him. He knows that Adolf Hitler is from Austria, and a real Austrian resents Italy forever, because in World War I, Italy took a key piece of Austria and never gave it back. And in that moment, Adolf Hitler looks over at Otto Skorzeny and like, you're my guy. And he sends Otto Skorzeny on the secret mission. I won't ruin it, but when you read the Nazi conspiracy, you will see Josh Mench and I, my co-writer, put real photographs in the book because we're like, when people get to this part, they're not going to believe it really happened unless they see. You will see the photographic proof in the book. It's the wildest Nazi story you've never heard in your life. Oh, man, I just love these kinds of stories. Unfortunately, you know, it, they focus on such a, a horrible era in world history. But your books do such an excellent job of informing as well as entertaining us with this information. So I really do hope that this one uh, becomes a, either a film, documentary, or a television series. As you do what you do so well, Brad. It's just a wonderful opportunity to chat with you. And I thank you so much for giving us some inside information on the making of the Nazi conspiracy, your latest book. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. You sound, my wife says the same thing. I tell her, don't count on a movie. She's already picking out what she wants to wear to the Oscars. There you go, Mrs. Meltzer. Pick that gown at red carpet. Look, do it now. Because I just have a feeling this one is definitely going to be up for an Emmy Golden Globe, Oscar, or something, because this is too good. Again, anything that has that James Bond feel to it, how can it not 
become entertaining as well. But I'm with uh, and you. if you have someone who loves history, this is the perfect gift for them for sure. It is the perfect gift any time of year. It doesn't just have to be the holidays, but this is a very, very good one. So, oh, well, let me, before I have two more minutes, what can we expect from you next? Are you working on your next project or what? Yeah, thank you for asking. So, yes, I also... Um, so I also write thrillers, so I'm working on a sequel to The Lightning Rod, which is the book that just came out last year. And then I have kids' books. I write adult books that are fiction. I write adult books that are nonfiction, like The Nazi Conspiracy. And I also write kids' books. And so we're doing I Am John Lewis is also out now uh, about the great civil rights leader. And then in March, we do our very first autistic hero, I Am Temple Grandin. And all these projects that we do... Um, you know, they have one thing in common, even though some are for kids and, and obviously the Nazi conspiracy is for adults, but they all tell the stories of not just the famous people, but of regular people you've never heard of. Secret Service agent Mike Riley, who arguably saved FDR's life in this in this assassination plot. I believe ordinary people change the world. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care how much money you make. I believe in regular people and their ability to affect change. And it's why I believe in the stories that you see in the Nazi conspiracy, people you've never heard of but their stories are no less important. And if we remember that and we remember our history, that's how you make sure it doesn't repeat itself. Absolutely. A website for your company that people can go and look at their latest and follow what you're doing now? Yes, you can go to bradmelzer.com. It's like Meltzer is M-E-L-T-Z-E-R, like seltzer that you drink, but with an M like Mary. You go to bradmelzer.com, you can even read chapter one for free. Um, you can buy it at your local bookstore. It's in hardcover. It's an audio book. And, of course, it's an ebook as well. You can download it right now. And uh, you can go and see any of our first chapters for free there as well. Oh, what a great gift. It's a wonderful gift. Well, again, Brad, thank you so much for the chat. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you and your beautiful wife probably on the red carpet of some big award show coming up within the next year or so for your work. Very kind. Thank you so much. Okay, take care then. Bye-bye. Okay, just want to remind you that you are still listening to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. Email us. We need some email in the new year. I mean, we have some, but we want a lot. So send us uh, info at filmfestivalradio.com, and that's how we get all of our email. And you can do that whenever you get a chance to. We got a lot of mail last year, so let's continue the process. Okay, that brings me to our final guest for today's show. Our guest is an award-winning, and I do mean award-winning, Sally Potter. She is an internationally acclaimed filmmaker, director. She's based out of London, and her films have won over 40, 40, yes, 40 international awards. She's received both Academy Award and BAFTA nominations. Of course, BAFTA is the British version of the Oscars. And she has a new film short that was just released earlier this month. Uh, it's now available on the app 
Bleecker Street Films. You can just go to Bleecker Street Films and you can find the app. The title of the short is called Look at Me. And does it have two of, oh my goodness, two of the most powerful uh, actors in entertainment. One is an Academy Award winning actor, among other awards. We're talking about Javier Bardem. Yes, he's one of my favorite actors. And we are also talking about another one of my favorite actors. We're talking about Chris Rock, who's just won uh, like four Emmy Awards, three Grammy Awards, and he's a New York Times bestselling author. These two powerhouse actors are together. Sally put these two powerful gentlemen together in this film short. Again, it's titled Look at Me. So basic storyline is about a volatile uh, rock and roll drummer, and he's in a battle of wits and wills with a very frustrated director of a fundraising gala who is starred, who is played by Chris Rock. And that's where all of the the fireworks and the magic begins. Uh, again, it's only 15 minutes. It's a film short, but it is powerful. And so I had the opportunity to chat with Sally Potter, called us all the way from England. So let's roll it with my chat with Sally Potter about her new film short, Look At Me. Let's roll it. Well, good afternoon, Sally. What a pleasure it is to chat with you. Well, I guess I should say good afternoon for me. I assume it's nighttime over in London. Yeah, kind of early evening. Kind of early evening. Okay. Well, the main thing is we are here, and I have uh, been wanting to talk to you for a very long time. And um, what a great situation to talk to you about your latest film, uh, the film short, Look At Me. And I think everyone needs to take a look at look at me. My goodness, as usual, just top notch, top grade work from from yourself, one of the top filmmakers in the world. So I say congratulations to you. Thank you very much indeed. That's very kind of you. Well, now this film, uh, you have two of the world's uh, most probably one of some of the most famous actors of all times here, uh, Javier Bardem and Chris Rock. And I, Mr. Bardem, I mean, like a, a groupie of his work. It's just amazing. Um, it's just ridiculous. It, it, one of my favorite roles that he did was the, the evil Scott in Skyfall. Uh, Silva. Yeah. Oh my God. That was just too much. Yeah. So here we are. What since this is a film short, was it any much of a challenge, you know, because you have such a stellar reputation as a filmmaker, as I said, but by this being a film short, was it was it a challenge convincing these two fine actors to be a part of this or what? It was a conversation or two, <laughs> okay. but I think they were both really interested in um in the subject, in the role, in working with each other, in working with me, and it was it was a very rewarding experience, I think, for all of us. It was wonderful for me, of course, to work with two such very different presences from each other. You know, they're both, you know, real giants in in the entertainment field, but in different areas of it, of course. And um, so, to put them together in that way was a very exciting thing to do, um, and we had to work fast. Um, 
and a short a short film is a very demanding form actually not really just a short version of a long film it's like it has to have a really clear structure and move clearly and swiftly through the themes and have some surprises and, and so on and both of them as, as performers one known for his stand-up of course Chris above all else and have and have yet more for his more serious or and some of well different variety of roles in cinema um, came together and really um, really worked very well together and brought the story to life. And so, which of the two uh, actors, which one did you talk with first, or, or just give us a little sum- summation on how that all started? Um, I think I, I, I talked with Javier first, but for this story, it was um, about meeting each of them first individually. I met with Javier in London and then in Spain, and then I met with Chris in New York, and we met and we went out and we talked together about it. And um, I find that's really the key with with working with people is getting to know them a little bit first and, you know, really talking about what we're aiming for and what the whole thing's about and what we think we can do. And it's like building up a rapport so that, you know, a real feeling of trust and, and mutual respect so that when you get onto the film set, you can move fast. Um, and and they could trust me and the kind of things I might say to them and they're already well prepared and so they're they're ready to take risks and and uh, experiment with things on the set and that's how that's how it went really but they were both you know it was very important to meet them individually privately first I think and build up and build up a relationship. Now was this film shot during the pandemic or was it shot as it was sort of winding down the, the worldwide pandemic part of it? Well, it was actually shot before. It, oh, okay. it was shot um it has a little bit of history behind it, but um the editing was done uh you know more recently. So um it was completed after. So it's it's strange, isn't it? It's as if the pandemic created a great big kind of hole in everybody's life. Yes. <laughs> it's like time stopped or something. Um or they you know, so so many strange things happened. But anyway, this film came out of the other end of it and um well, now, uh, since you, if I'm not mistaken, you are the writer of uh, Look at Me, is that correct? Yes. Okay. What inspired this storyline for you? Um, I think I was very interested in the way that, uh, uh, the sort of power balance that there can be in relationships, in close relationships between people, professionally and personally, and to see what the the sort of the, the struggles are really in in relationship where people are close, but where one of the people seems to be more successful and more able to stand on their feet than the other. In this case, the one played by Chris Rock is the one who's who's playing the director of the gala that they're preparing for, and Javier is playing a drummer who is it turns out, has many problems, including in the past an addiction problem. And so it's really as they, they begin to sort of work work that out through initially through conflict and, and later through tenderness uh, with each other and compassion. So that that's the, the arc of the story, if you like. Yeah, these are some very strong characters, uh, 
and, and it's so interesting because the the gentleman, each actor, they're they're totally opposite as far as we were saying earlier, as far as the type of uh, the genre of the entertainment that they're in. Yeah, and, and then yet these characters are, are equally as as opposite as well, but it all works yeah. out in the end. Uh, of course, we don't want to give away too much there, but uh, <laughs> I, you know, whenever I talk to uh, filmmakers who do film shorts, especially if I and I love this film, by the way, um, okay. I always ask because I always want to know, and I'm just cheering. Will there be a sequel? Will there be a full feature? Will there be any any continuation for Look at Me? Well, um, it's not planned, but who knows where these things will lead. I mean, that's one of the intriguing things about making a short film. It's like, is it complete or is it a hint of something to come? And I have, that, I have done that before in the past, made a short film that then turned into a long film. But um, I think in this case, I really wanted to make something that felt complete in its own right um, as a short film, especially as now people are not just watching feature films. They're watching, of course, television series and so on, but they're also watching short things on the internet, on YouTube, um, or on TikTok or whatever. So people actually have a, a real appetite, I think, for telling stories in a, in a shorter way, in time, but which still have depth and interest and, and wonderful performances from people such as Xavier and Chris Rock. And so uh, when you were putting the script together, the, the whole project in itself, did you, was there, I mean, why why do a film short rather than a full feature or what was that about for you? Well, um, I think this, this particular story, which I originally wrote as part of a different, as a sort of film within a film within a different story, I think it just felt that it needed to be told in this way and at this length. You know, it's like the difference maybe between um, a short story and a long novel or, or even a poem and a short story. Sometimes the shorter form can condense everything in an incredibly intense way. And even though it's short, it can be a big experience or perhaps even because it's short, it can be a big experience. Um, so I, I found I was just really fascinated to work in this form and see what it was possible to do with it, how intense how intense and how full it could be and how time kind of can stretch, you know, it's in a short number of minutes you can you can cover a lot of ground. So I think it was exciting for me and it was exciting for them too to tell the story in this way. Even though it is uh, a, a film short, I mean, how much, 15 minutes roughly, um, how many months or how many weeks of time did it take to uh, to, to cre create the film, to shoot it, I should say? To shoot, four days. Oh my goodness, four days, okay. <laughs> four days and one night, on a, on actually, one evening on a rooftop in New York City, but um, no, this was quick. Yeah. No, this was quick. But you know, the real... The, the real work that takes the time, I think, with the film is, is the writing, actually, before, because 
you know, you it's not just about, as you know, you know, just having an idea. It's it's getting it down and then refining it and then rewriting it some more and then refining it some more. And that's that's where the real the real the real in depth work happens. That's then the preparation for being able to move very very fast in the shoot itself, where everybody needs to know know what they're doing and know where they're going. You know, um, and that's how this works. Working with, uh, of course, as we all know, Javier is uh, just a renowned dramatic actor. But working with Chris, Chris Rock, um, known the world over, as we said, stated earlier, for his comedy. So as, as the director, how, how did you work with him knowing his background is so heavily into comedy? How did you bring out that dramatic part of him as an actor, which was brilliantly done by him? Well, I think that like many people who work with comedy at heart, they're very serious individuals. <laughs> you know, they're funny, very funny. They make you laugh. But Chris's stand-up has always dealt with, you know, really serious things. I mean, I think comedy is a brilliant form for dealing with serious stuff. And as an individual to know, he's, you know, thoughtful thoughtful and, and quiet in many ways. I, I found anyway that was my experience of him. Highly intelligent and, and very open and respectful, open to working in a different way or in a, in a way he hadn't worked before. I mean, of course, he's done, you know, acting, you know, he's, he's, he's done straight roles and different kind of roles on film. But this, nevertheless, this was different yet again. It was covering new areas and bringing out a different side of him. Um, and he is a wonderful actor. He really is. And he has a very sensitive, delicate quality and nuance in what he does. I mean, I think it's very, you know, it's very impressive what he managed to pull out of himself and, and find in himself. Um, and I think he enjoyed the process of getting there, you know, working together to find to locate that part of himself that is a different, you know, kind of performer. Well, if there's any doubt among uh, Chris Rock's critics to say that, uh, oh, he's just, he's just a, he's a good comic, he's a good stand-up. No, he's also a very good actor, and I highly suggest his critics to go see uh, Look at Me, and he, it speaks for itself. His, his work in this film is very good. Um, okay, so... As I said earlier about yourself, your name, your work speaks for itself. I believe you have over 40 awards and accolades from around the world. Your work is just phenomenal. Do you have any of your own work, your own body of work, any personal favorite films that you've done or what? Well, I think Orlando always holds a, a special place for me because it was my second feature, actually, but it was the feature that, that uh, reached the wider, a wider audience for the first time. So that was my first experience of really feeling like I was part of the world of, of the movies, I guess, of cinema. And um, that, so that holds a special place. I also enjoyed making, very much enjoyed making a, part, a film called The Party a few years ago, which was a sort of political comedy. So I enjoyed turning my hand to that. It's very rewarding to sit in the cinema and hear a lot of people laughing a lot. <laughs> so that was a kind of a new experience for me and a good one. Um, 
So I guess I would pick those two out in the first instance. I also made a film called Ginger and Rosa, working with Elle Fanning when she was very young, just 13, and absolutely brilliant. And some other wonderful actors too, Christina Hendricks, of, uh, of course, and, and others, um, Alessandra Navola, um and Annette Benning, and they were all great too. So um, I've been fortunate in attracting uh, through my scripts and through the work the possibility of working with such wonderful actors um, throughout and that's one of my favorite aspects of the work is working with with actors and the process that goes on between the director and the actor to arrive at a new performance so I guess I guess um, if, if you're asking me about my favorite films I have to, like people say about their children, love them all equally. (laughs) The same amount of work goes into every film, whether or not critics happen to like one better than another or, you know, whatever, something can get overlooked or or it can suddenly get very successful and you never quite know why. Um, But, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I guess that's the way I feel about it. Well, I have a couple of last questions here. Uh, Has there already or been any talk for you to work with either Chris or Javier for future projects or you just kind of all wait and see what happens or what? Um, We have not engaged in discussions about future projects um, yet. (laughs) Um, It depends, I guess. Yeah, it depends on the project, actually. People... Um, it's always a project by project thing and who's right for the part and so on. Um, but um, they're both people, of course, I would more than love to work with again. It was a very, it was a very great experience. Now, uh, Look at Me, I understand, has uh, qualified, is an Oscar qualifying film. Uh, I'm sure that would be make a huge, huge difference as to whether or not um, a continuation of Look at Me hopefully will happen. Is that correct or what? Well, I think, yeah, the wonderful thing about the um, any of these awards campaigns is it draws attention towards a film when there are, you know, so many films are being made. Um, and I think it, you have to have something that, that stands out, that, that reminds people, uh, makes them think, yeah, maybe maybe I'd like to see this. <laughs> so, um, given that we all work for an audience and not just for ourselves, you know, we want what we do and I want what I do to reach people and mean something to people. So um, I think the... Um, the the uh, the whole the whole kind of Oscar way of, of drawing attention to some films is incredibly useful and it's nice to be at least part of that trail. Well, if it does actually get the nomination, this will not be your first time at the Oscar rodeo, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> or BAFTA. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I am really cheering for this film to go all the way and get the Oscar gold and come back. So. Um, <laughs> What's next? I, I can only imagine. What are you working on next, Miss Sally? What's next for you? Well, um, I've written another script called Alma, and I'm just starting now to reach out to various actors, and hopefully, I'll be shooting that sometime in the first part of next, the first half of next year. Okay. It's a very different kind of story, but um, it's about a, a family. A family who are starting to fall apart a little bit, but it's also a mixture of, of a comedy and tragedy in a way. Um, 
So I'm just at that exciting moment when I'm starting to see who might be part of it. Okay. Well, we'll definitely be on the lookout for that one. Uh, meanwhile, does Look At Me have its own uh, social media handles and website or, or what? How can people see it or, or what? Uh, that's a very, very good question. Um, they can certainly see the trailer that's available on um, on YouTube. Um, there will come a point where they can see the whole thing. Um, and, um, of course, I have an Instagram account, so I put out things about how it was making it and so on and some stills and things like that. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it will come. Okay, I can't wait for everybody to see it. Now, what is what is your Instagram uh, handle? Uh, Sally Potter. So, okay, at Sally Potter. Cannot miss that one. Yeah. All right, Sally, this has been such a delight chatting with you. I'm a longtime fan of your work. Uh, look at me. I'm even more of a continuous to be a longtime fan. And I highly suggest everyone see this film once it's available to, to all the public, starring Javier Bardem and Chris Rock, directed by the one and only Miss Sally Porter. So Sally, thank you. Potter, I should say. Where's I get Porter from? Potter. And so <laughs> thank you so much for the okay. convo. And uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, hopefully I'll talk with you once Alma is released as well. Yes. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. Well, happy holidays to you and your family. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 All right. Thank you so much, Sally Potter. And don't forget that you can go to download the app, Bleecker Street Films, starting right now. Actually, it started January 1st. And you can see, uh, look at me and just so many other wonderful films that they have. Just go to your app store, wherever you get your apps. And uh, again, the film is Look at Me. It's a film short starring the great actors, Javier Bardem and Chris Rock. So listen, we are out of time, as always, when it gets this time of the show. Thank you, Chris Wolsey. Thank you, Brett Meltzer. And thank you, Sally Potter. And thank you, all of our listeners out there, as always. We'll see you guys next week on another edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Have a great rest of the weekend, and we'll see you next Saturday. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.